Good morning, everybody, and thank you for the opportunity to provide some opening remarks to this year's Graduate Student Research Conference. For those who don't know me, I'm Anne-Marie Scott, Deputy Provost here at Athabasca University, and it's my absolute pleasure to be with you all this morning and on the 10th anniversary of this conference too. I'm sure the conference this year will be an immense success, just as it has been for the previous 10 years. You can tell from my accent, not a native Canadian, and it's a pretty well-examined phenomenon that Scottishness increases in direct proportion to the distance we are from Scotland. We're never more Scottish than when we're abroad. With that in mind, I want to share with you this morning one of my favourite pieces of Scottish poetry. It's a poem that I've returned to many times, and I hope that it might speak to a few of you here today as well. Indeed, as I'll try to explain, that's exactly the purpose of this poem. So let's begin. Around the mid to late 1400s, a chap called Robert Henryson wrote a series of moral fables, some based upon the fables of Aesop and some upon classic beast fables. We don't know a lot about Henryson, except that he described himself as a schoolmaster of Dunfermline, a town very close to where he grew up, and that he probably had a university education. I've got a particular fondness for stories, especially folk, folk tales, moral fables, cautionary tales and the like. And there's a fairly rich tradition in Scotland of all of these things. And in some cases, there's some quite big overlaps. And that's the case with the story I want to recount today. The first fable in the collection that Henryson wrote is a tale called The Cock, The Tale of the Cock and the Jasp. And it's based on one of Aesop's fables, but it's very clearly set in Scotland and has a very definite folksiness to it. On the surface, it's a simple story about a chicken who finds a jewel when scratching around for food. It's originally written in Middle Scots, but since I'm probably hard enough to understand this morning already, I'm going to read you a little from a translated version that's a mix of Scots and Scottish Standard English. So here we go, and please forgive any stumbles. <laughs> so, a cockerel once, his plumage fresh and gay, happy enough, although he was guy pair, flew to the midden early one day to get his stomach filled was all his care. Scraping in ashes, he by chance laid bare a jasp. Guy little care was kept, it seems, in one house when the floor was swept. These flighty lasses, nothing in their heed except to play and on the street be seen. In tidying the house, they tack no heed to what's swept up as long as the floor looks clean. Jewels are dropped as oft has been seen upon the floor and swept up right away. And that's what happened here, one well might say. So gazing on this find, quoth he, O oh, your rare gem, your rich and noble thing, though I'm your finder, you're nae use to me. By rechts you should adorn some lord or king. This is case for sadness and mourning, to see you buried here on muck and mould when you're so braw and worth so muckle gold. So the chicken's found this jewel in the midden, the rubbish heap, when he's been scratching around looking for food. And he takes a look at it and says, you know, it's been swept out of somebody's house, but it's no use to me. And he goes on to talk about um, what it is he's really looking for. So he says, um, I would much rather scrape here with my nails among this dirt and find my proper food, like tailings corn, wee worms or muckle snails and cichlet meat to do my stomach good, than find o' jewels a michty multitude. By the same token, you could in your turn as worthless rubbish all my diet spurn. You have no corn, and corn is what I need. Your colours just gee comfort to the sicht, 
and sight itself will not my stomach feed. The saying is that looking work is licht, meat I must have, obtain it as I micht. For hungry bodies can I live on looks, give me dry bread and you can keep your cooks. So, so far so sensible. This chicken needs, ju this chicken needs food, not jewels. He recognises the jewel as a thing of importance to men, but it's no use to him in terms of satiating his animal appetites. He's a hungry chicken. At this exact halfway point of the poem, the story is then picked up by a, a narrator who gives an alternative interpretation of the events that have just taken place. And within that is the moralitas or the lesson of the poem, because this is a moral fable. The narrator explains that although it sounds like the chicken was applying good common sense, he actually failed to understand the true value of the jewel. And perhaps by implication, it's when man gives way to some of his more animal appetites that he also risks failure most. So the explanation goes, um, leaving this jewel lying on the ground, the cock to seek his food his own ways went. But by whom, when, and how this gem was found concerns not at all this argument, for it's the deeper meaning and intent which Aesop had when he composed this fable that I'll explain as far as I am able. And the narrator goes on to explain some of the properties of this gem and how it's really um, analogous to wisdom. Um, and that's what the cock has ultimately rejected. So he goes on to talk about this noble gem, so wonderful of hue, perfect prudence and wisdom signifies. Many's the story of its great virtue. Above all worldly things, I shall rise, leading all men their honour first to prize, certain and sure to have the victory or fleshly vice and spiritual enemy. Who can be prosperous? Who can win renown? Who can steer safely through a stormy sea? Who can control a kingdom, house or town devoid of learning? None, we all agree. Learning endures in perpetuity. Mildew or moth or rust have no effect upon the treasures of the intellect. This cock desiring nothing more than corn, may to that fool be easily compared. Who at all learning does make a mock and scorn, decrying it? Of truth, he is afeard, turning away when discourse can be heard, as would a hungry sow when, just for once, instead of slops, she's offered precious stones. Those who dismiss our learning can be seen as sticks or clods refusing to be taught about those treasures great and evergreen, which never can with worldly wealth be bought. That man does well, who all his days has sought, above all else, his knowledge to increase. He needs no more to live and die in peace. So the jewel actually symbolizes knowledge and learning. And learning is the very thing we all ought to strive for. You're probably at this point wondering just exactly why I'm going on about a chicken and learning this early on a Saturday morning. And that what I want to explain is the reason that I enjoy this poem, and by extension, many others of this period of Scottish literature, is that you have to really work at them to understand them. And I mean, beyond my accent and beyond the language and the fact that they're written in a very arcane form of Scots. Um, but the more you work at them, 
the more layers you unveil, the richer these poems become and the more insights they reveal. So to explain, firstly, when we read this poem, we need to really work at understanding the meaning of it. We're presented with a very literal reading of the poem by a chicken. But we then have the narrator coming in and explaining the allegorical meaning of the poem. And he explains that what, what we should really believe about the jasp, that the chicken was a fool and that the jasp is symbolic and actually the chicken rejects wisdom and that wisdom and learning is the thing. However, Henderson uses this poem as uh, the first fable in the wider collection. So as well as the meanings it has within itself, it also functions as a, an explanation of how the reader should go about interpreting the rest of the fables in the collection. So Henryson is using this poem also to instruct us in how we should read the rest of the fables, as well as in the, the story itself of the cock and the jazz. If you knew your Christian Bible intimately, as many contemporary readers of this time would have, you'd also have recognised various references to biblical themes and stories in that poem. Uh, things like the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, for example, you might have picked up on that in the talk of the silly lassies sweeping out the, the floors. Or the oblique reference to not casting pearls before swine, the, the mention of the, the uh, pig who's given a, a trough of jewels. So woven into the story is that yet another layer of meaning about the value of wisdom and attaining wisdom in Christianity is to attain the city of God. We also need to understand that while the poem draws on the classics and on the Bible for a lot of its content, it's set in a distinctly Scottish context. Why does Henryson do this? Would it make the lesson more effective? Does he feel it will reach or engage a wider audience? And once you learn more about Henryson, you also learn things like he believed in numerology, the idea that numbers have some divine or mystical properties. And the construction of the poem itself with 14 stanzas, changing from the chicken to the narrator at exactly the halfway point is really significant. That's two blocks of seven and seven is the number of the body. And it's a story about, you know, beastly appetites <laughs> versus wisdom and, and divine attributes. So actually the very structure of the poem itself has meaning. I could say a lot more. I've read a lot about this poem as well as having read it a lot in my life, but I'm hoping and I'm going to try in my fairly clunky way to say that this is the moral of the little story I want to offer you today. That In your research, you're going to have to be prepared to look beyond the obvious, to deeply interrogate what you discover and to be open to multiple interpretations of what you discover to recognize the true value of what's before you, to interrogate your sources, to build upon the work of others, and to also add your contribution and interpretations to the vast store of knowledge in this world. And as you do all of this, much like Henryson setting his poem in Scotland, you also need to think about how to communicate your research so that others discover it, that they connect with it, and they understand why it's important. And I know that's what you're all going to be doing today. And I hope to catch a few of your presentations. And in the meantime, I'm going to give Henryson the last word.
Well, in this theme, I might be wasting wind. And so I'll stop and I'll say nae mair, except go seek the jasp, for it's still there. Thank you very much. And thank you for bearing with me. And hope you all have a wonderful conference. Thank you. Have a good day. <laughs>